Well, welcome back to the Spinner Rack here at the Marvel New Universe Comics Podcast. We're your host, Stephen, with Starbrand number five, and... And I'm Andy, and we'll be covering Spitfire and the Troubleshooters number five. The New Universe was a self-contained universe and imprint from Marvel Comics started by Jim Shooter in 1986 with the launch of eight new ongoing titles to celebrate Marvel's 25th anniversary. It was intended to be more realistic without magic, aliens, or secret histories, or at least not a lot of them. We're two chemists and comics readers who are reading through the new universe two books a week in the order they were released, describing them and commenting as we go. We'll also give the advertising copy from Marvel Checklist or Marvel Age Magazine when available. Back in 1986, this was all the previews we had available. It can be a challenge. Yeah, our, their, their batting average is still well below 500, I think. Yes. We should also mention that we uh, now have our website live at kickersinc.com. You can go there and check out... Um, the most interesting thing at the moment is the contest, the summer sweepstakes, something yeah. spectacular, <laughs> where we're bringing back the uh, contest of new universe trivia that was running in the books themselves at this time. Right, you don't necessarily have to get all of the questions right in order to win. We're gonna do random draw, so you just have to participate. Participate. <laughs> we would. <laughs> the grand prize will be a uh, one of each issue, uh, first issue of each book. Yeah, all the number ones, collector's nice. item. And uh, probably the high score will, however, get bragging rights. So Absolutely. Definitely throw that out. The New Universe Super Sleuth Sweepstakes. Boy, they didn't really think that one through in terms of uh, <laughs> tongue twistedness. Anyway, let's see. The um, blah, blah, blah. So let's see. This week, I'll be covering Starbrand number five. Ken Connell is given a power called the Starbrand by a mysterious visitor from space who tells him to guard it well. Driven by his conscience, Connell struggles to find the most just and appropriate use for the brand's unlimited power. This week, Starbrand crosses Qaddafi's line of death. And Qaddafi is bolded like Starbrand is, as if it's like a trademark <laughs> super villain in the yeah, Marvel New Universe. Yeah, give that Libyan leader his due. <laughs> so Starbrand crosses Qaddafi's line of death. The result is war. Or a Mediterranean dictator, no names, has threatened drastic consequences for anyone who crosses his line of death. Enter Starbrand. Okay, both of those are kind of covered the same ground from different angles. Yeah. They really hit the line of death pretty hard. <laughs> okay. For some reason. The... Hey, line of death. We got it. Can we spoil it that there really was no line of death? <laughs> Okay, it doesn't hurt the story. <laughs> Everyone's clicking off now. Oh man! So, uh, so this week I'll be talking about Spitfire and the Troubleshooters issue number five. Um, 
our book is, of course, Spitfire and the Troubleshooters, aided by five prankster students. Professor Jenny Swenson steals her father's Max Armor, a construction suit built for use in a variety of capacities, not combat, uh, when she suspects his murder. murderer intends to use it as a weapon of war. Uh, so this week, Jenny Swenson is in jail for murder. Two of the troubleshooters are determined to break her out. And why is Kenneth Connell, better known as Starbrand, involved in this story? Why not? <laughs> Written by Jerry Conway, penciled by Herb Trippy. And the other uh, intro we found was, or uh, Starbrand must fight Spitfire and the life of a troubleshooter hangs in the balance. That's a little shorter. Uh, that one's it's... pretty accurate. They're both actually pretty accurate. Um, but I think... Um, three of the troubleshooters are determined to break her out. So maybe that's why they fixed that one. Yeah. And the star brand versus Spitfire. Yeah. Okay. Sort of. I mean, you got to yeah, sell it. Okay. We'll see. I have to say I'm jealous of your word count in this one though, because man, there's a lot of words in Spitfire where you got a lot of action in star brand. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> this is a DP7 level commitment to try and go over Spitfire today. <laughs> yeah, it's always a pleasure to read Starbrand because he's very open and uh, not a lot, not as, I don't want to say not a lot, but not as much dialogue to keep track of. There is a lot going on in Spitfire, but at least that keeps us all busy. Yeah, a lot of, mm, nice body. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Ken never disappoints. Ken never disappoints. Shall we dig in? Let's. All right. Starbrand number five. Um, it's a nice cover with uh, Ken sort of flying towards the reader, holding a uh, Uzi, maybe clenched in, his, in one hand, and just a path of destruction behind him. Yeah, let's see. He blew up an airfield. Yeah, yeah, there's like, fighter jets all like blowing up on the ground behind him. Um, and let's see, I think it's uh, ooh, Giorano credited to, so it's not uh, John Romita Jr. again. Um, and M something. Yeah, yeah don't let it. this title fool you or this cover because this is a romance book. <laughs> <laughs> It is mostly Ken, the many loves of Ken. They just throw in a couple of token action scenes to uh, keep the teen boys interested. Like, yeah. Um, then to break up all the smooching. <laughs> There's a uh, nice yellow tint to the new universe logo at the top. Uh, and inside, we have uh, the title. Crossing the line. Oh, okay. So crossing the <laughs> line is the title of this issue by uh, Jim Shooter script, John Romita Jr. pencils, and Al Williamson inks. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's great to have them all on board. Still uh, uh, running like an engine here. So, oh, this hit the stands on November 18, uh, 1986, covered eight. February 87. So it starts off with uh, not quite a full splash page, but 
Ken getting woken up by a knock at the door, um, throwing on his jeans and going to answer it. And it's a uh, duck. She's like, you alone, Kenny? She's very sensitive that he's constantly with other girls. So uh, yeah, come on in. She jumps in and there's a nice splash of her hugging him. Happy birthday, Kenny. Woohoo. We should have had a final birthday celebration. Yeah. Ken, uh, we found out before was 25, so I guess he's turning 26 now. Man. Um, still young, a young fella, I guess. Compared to your <laughs> gentle podcasters here. So he says, uh, thanks, Duck. Um, she says she really wanted to surprise him, uh, and she brought him presents. And so he levitates them off the, the floor. They kiss for a bit. And she's uh, like, oh, you know, we got to go to work today. Eh, it's early. We still got a while. And there's an empty hallway for a minute. And when we come back, everyone's got their pants off or something. Yeah, the later in uh, the little <laughs> box that says later in Star Brands generally only means one thing. <laughs> and... Uh, well, actually, Ken is dressed, and it's uh, Duck is is less dressed than she was when she showed up at his door. But she's uh, given him a uh, something for navigating when you fly, a compass and a flashlight, so you can read it at night. These will come in handy, Duck. Thanks. What's the matter, Kenny? Don't you like them? You look kind of down. <laughs> no, they're great. <sighs> I just have a lot on my mind. So, um, is it Barb? And she, she, he thinks it's all over with her, and uh, she's staying at someone else. And um, uh, so he's he's like, "Why don't um, you want to go over to Rick's tonight after work? Um, I'll pick you up." Anyway, um, the the um, flashlight and and compass and all that—that's actually a great present because I was I was thinking before that like Ken should be uh, getting better at flying around. I kind of think he is because he'll like go pick up or say he picked up things at like Disney World and right. pop over to other cities and things. But getting better at not getting lost. Yeah, I mean, he's had a few months now and like a small airplane pilot at this time didn't have a lot to go on either, but you know, like some maps and compass i suppose and so yeah he should be finding his way around be better by now and uh, yeah maybe gps thoughtful. exists at this point but only for the army something like that like yeah it's form? pretty advanced yeah it'd be in spitfire if you're like oh gps someone's trying to steal this um, advanced technology we have yeah so um nine and a half hours later um Duck's like, oh, I thought you meant Rick from work. No, no, Rick Lawson. He moved out to Murray McMurray. And uh, he's like, I'm going to stop at my parents on the way. I, they gave me a feeble excuse. And I hope they're not throwing a surprise party. But hmm. as it turns out, surprise! They are throwing him a surprise party. <laughs> yeah, so, so Duck decides she doesn't want to go in because she didn't think her his parents liked her or something. So she's waiting in the car. He goes to the door. <laughs> then you have the sitcom surprise party where one person's kind of stuck 
and he's trying to get oh, out of it. No. Yeah. Oh no! Yeah. Back in the car. It was funny. They uh, he refers to his mother as Ellie, or and um, I mean, I I at first thought it was like a stepmother or something, but um, as near as I can tell, this is his mother, father, and sister, and brother-in-law, along with Barb. Yeah, Barb shows up. And Barb is there, yes. The, he, he had sort of um, seen her uh, on a date with someone else after his you know, lack of commitment kind of chased her away. Took her all of like two days to find someone new, but you know. Um, Some dudes be lining up. Uh, <laughs> as drawn, yes, Barb is a rather attractive woman who is 31, I think. That sounds about right. Prime of life. So, um, yeah, we meet his family, which is interesting how little interaction we see with them. Um, it's just sort of, um, they have a very quick uh, cut through the party. Barb has baked a cake for him. Um, I guess his mother doesn't cook very well. And he says, 81 minutes later, he's like, I got to get going. Rick's expecting me. It's going to leave too. So they walk outside and have a little um, chat. Um, he's like, uh, surprised to see you. I know you're seeing someone else. And uh, she's like, you know, I, I love you, Ken. He's like, I don't want to talk about this uh, right here and now in front of Duck or my car. <laughs> yeah, because she's basically me. walking him out to his convertible, right? Open top convertible. So you got a nice little shot kind of like from inside the car where he's kind of peeking in there like, oh, where did Duck go? Is she still here? <laughs> Barb does not roll around that. here. There was a couple in my car when I drove up. I yeah. Um, so she's he's like, uh, you want to get together later? Maybe Sunday? I'll call you. So he, he drives off and is like, you can come up now, Duck. Quack. <laughs> she takes it in stride. She's very good-natured about it. She says uh, she heard them yelling surprise and duck down. And uh, it's been hiding for an hour and a half. And yeah, it's okay. Ken feels kind of guilt-ridden. Uh, As he should. I do anything for you, Kenny. Man, that's too much devotion, Duck. It's not right. Not good. He's not saying this. He's just thinking it. Yeah. Um, it's, now at this it's point, little, she's sort of strangely devoted. It's like, um, it's almost like Harley Quinn in, in early, you know, Batman. Yeah, like the cartoon. Cartoon, yeah, the animated series. Um, yeah, I don't know. They get to Rick, who we've never, I think, seen or heard of before. Um, Rick's house. And even though it's, it was like after work, and it was, you know, an hour and a half at his parents. It's maybe still light out and they're all like hanging out outside. Rick is working on a car. Um, and uh, Duck and Rick's girlfriend, Shari or Sherry, are chatting. And just to give you their conversation, I just got mine cut. It was punky and spiky before, but I sort of got tired of it, Shari. And Sherry says, I just get mine permed and bleached. 
And yeah, she has curly hair that's blonde. Um, Colorist, you did a good job. Good job. Yeah, Duck's uh, hair looks a little less less goofy this time, but I, for some reason, I just like this because of um, you, you know the Bechdel test. Mm, remind the like movies uh, that have like two women talking about something that's not a man. It's like, oh right. I don't. I mean, it's not really a criteria I think much of, but. This is like the strangest conversation between these two women. I thought, like, yeah, my hair that you can see right in front of you right now. Let me talk about that. Well, uh, what are you going to do? So um, Rick and uh, Ken are talking. Rick has got the sort of what they now call a porn stash. Handlebars, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, once again, Ken goes looking for like a positive male role model and comes up short. It's like, hey, tell me, Rick, you you like being settled down with Sherry? It's like, She's settled, I ain't, but what she don't know won't hurt her. Oh, Rick. I mean, there was like, I lost track now, like how many friends Ken has. I was like, oh, you're committed in your relationship, right? Oh, no, not at all. No, I cheat constantly. How are you doing, Ken? Okay. <laughs> There's Myron with his weird relationships with his clients slash renters. Yeah, there was like the, the guy who was like a one-man band. They went out to uh, oh, right, yeah. with, and he was like hitting on the, mate, the hostess or something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so he, yeah, they, they talk a little about how Barb wants to settle down and Ken does the old like straighten the bumper out with his hands. And, I wish I had kept track of how many times he's straightened bumpers with his hands. That's like the major use, I think, of his power so far. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this guy just tells, her, tells him not to, not to think too much about uh, Duck and that she's a bimbo like Shari. And it was at this point I hated Rick. That's fair. Bimbo, my butt. I didn't see uh, Rick uh, give uh, Ken a flashlight and a compass to help him uh, do anything. Everyone's like, uh, Duck's not the smart one. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, the next morning. So I mean, Rick I could... didn't terribly question how, didn't get, have a hard line of questioning when Ken, you know, really, literally straightened out a metal bumper with his bare hands. <laughs> He's, so who's the dumb just, one now, Rick? He's just well, you know, it's a, I'm a professional. I have to guard our trade secret or something. <laughs> Slab of metal. I don't know. Well, okay. Um, the next morning, uh, Ken and his coworkers get their paychecks. So by my count, this was Thursday, his birthday. That duck comes over Thursday morning. Thursday night is the surprise party and he goes to hang out with Rick. Now it's Friday. They get paid and now it's like weekend time for something. Um, his coworker says, um, well, Ken is saying like, how am I going to get married on this kind of a paycheck? Um, and his coworker is like, married? This is plenty for, for gas and pizza and going parking at China Wall. Like, yeah, well, that's apparently that's what 19. life's about. <laughs> that's what life's about. Maybe when you're 19, maybe, but 
he's an old man at 26 now. So. Hmm. China Wall, I had to, it was a little hard to find. Apparently, um, yeah, like a part, like you know, make out place um, south of Pittsburgh. Um, but it, the the only reference I could find to it was that you know some old newspaper talking about how it um, kids don't go there anymore. Like <laughs> going parking in your car is like clearly the I, kids are out of touch. Yeah, <laughs> it's them. Um, I already night, made the principal Skinner joke in a previous podcast, so I won't recycle it. Uh, well, if if recycling jokes is not what we're supposed to do, then uh, I could probably get my time down to under like 20, 25 minutes for each. That's optimistic. Let's see. Ken is tossing and turning in bed that night. He's like, ah, oh, what am I doing with my life? Uh, uh, I have to make more money. Star brand power. Wait a minute. I, think he's I can do whatever I want. <laughs> I can do whatever I want. He's like, I forgot the foreign agents. Um, issue three. Um, so he, he has a um, memory of that episode with the Matahari agent who was, um, you know, telling, you know, pretending to be broken down. There was an ad in the paper. She wanted to meet him at the slag heap. He goes there and then she tells him a lot of weird stories and he doesn't know what's going on, but um, he does like trash their gun. She, she tried shooting him and he realizes now his, probably his fingerprints were on that. And the other things are bothering him too. Um, the alien, the old man, um, Lori, Barb's daughter was acting so strangely and all this stuff is sort of floating around. How can I even think about a future with Barb? As long as I've got this brand, I've got a target on my back and I'm a danger to anyone close to me. Next morning, hey, I guess I'll go for a swim. Ken flies off to California. Yeah. With the map and what you have, compass, I guess. He goes west by southwest, and soon uh, is at an empty beach. Goes for a swim, had a good time. Gets out. Hmm. Company. There's an attractive woman on the beach. <laughs> All by herself. Hey, this is a strange question, but uh, which uh, what beach is this? Laguna. You know, I haven't heard the little boy lost uh, line for months. Relax. It worked. Sit down and tell me why you're so like disoriented. <laughs> Later, as you said, um, they, she's like, "Daddy's gone to London, and I've got the beach house to myself." Later, again, he's uh, he's in her bedroom. Um, she's in a, she in a bikini before, yeah. Anyway, he's like, well, she says, I, you don't look happy. And he's like, I just got a lot on my mind. She, um, it definitely was a clothing change, though. Because something happened. Because he was in like shorts and nothing because he was swimming and now he's got his shoes back on. So, yeah, he must have kept his pants rolled up in his shoes when he went in the water. No, I think there's a picture of him on the beach. No, okay. Yeah. 
the um, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, on a towel. Um, so she's well, an attractive woman, but of course, this officially puts him over the top of uh, justice in last week's podcast. That's right. He had two ladies. Start working on a second body count. <laughs> Justice had two ladies, and we were wondering if he's going to give Ken a run for his money. But Ken is king. Ken has three ladies. Not go down undefeated. So he's like um, flying off, thinking, I'm never going to get over Barb. Might as well admit it. I want to be with her. I'm going to be with her. Nothing's going to stop and stand in my way. And I'm not giving up the power. All right. All right. And he's no longer going to flirt with the babysitter. <laughs> he gets home and he's looking through the newspaper and he finds another one of these ads from this group of what he thought were terrorists or something that were trying to set him up or um, find out more about him and um, fail to appear and many innocents will suffer. Do you want their blood on your hands? So the newspaper just prints that? I yeah that seems more like a threat than an ad it's like um the first couple were a little more subtle (laughs) i hey uh yeah it could have been like a romantic rendezvous like hey rocket man meet me over here i i you know missed connection they used to have these things in, in the paper i saw you on the on the uh j train two o'clock tuesday you had blue eyes call me um yeah, this is like everyone will die if you don't call us back. Um, <laughs> yeah, she paid for the word count. Yeah, I was like, well, who should I charge this to? Um, the student <laughs> association of. Uh... Send the uh, payment request to the Libyan consulate. <laughs> so he's like, okay, they still don't know who I am. So let me go back and do this again. Um, but on the way, hey, there's Barb's house. Hey, that's Wendy, the babysitter, walking home. Boy, she used to seem so sexy to me. I had to keep telling myself she's only 17. Now, though, I can't even imagine why I felt that way. She just looks like a kid. You Probably because she's wearing a coat. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like a summer tank top weather anymore. Ouch. Yeah, he uh, he's he also like have flying 20 feet above her head, too. So <laughs> yes. he didn't really have to uh, question himself too much. Yeah. It's like, it's, yeah. You know, you get really all the ladies were covered in this issue because we had a micro flashback of the terrorist. Where I guess the only one we'd be missing was uh, uh, Jenny Swenson, who he commented on offhand but we get her uh, in a less flirting situation next issue <laughs> yes hmm i don't know um it's like no woman but barb will do so he's flying on a cloud of you know i want barb um he takes a peek inside and she's making out on the couch with the uh, dennis um like he, he hears them uh, um, not so rough, Dennis. 
Sorry, Cherie, is this better? Mm. <laughs> He's guess. got a great expression on his face from that. It's a uh, comic strip that David Lynch did called The Angriest Dog in the World. Mm -hmm. and that's the same expression. Um, so he's like, I got to get out of here. Can't stand this. I'm going to win her back tomorrow. And in the meantime, pity anybody who crosses me. Puts on a. Uh, you just left somebody's bed. <laughs> he is. He's, uh, yeah, never. Yeah, I don't know. He's, he's a uh, complicated man. Um, what do we call that? A baklava? The like uh, ski, mask. ski mask? Yeah, yeah. Okay. He finally puts something that's more like a disguise on. And he's dressed all in black. It's not his like leather uniform. But soon at the slag dump, he's, he sees the car is parked there again. Although he doesn't see anyone inside at this time. He noses around and sees a couple of guys with Uzis. So you never see that girl or another girl. So not quite sure what happened there. Um, yeah, she's but, probably still there. Just, you know, you only see the car that's kind of waiting for him at a distance. So, yeah, you're right. That's a second car. Yeah. The one that the girl was in is still under the light when these other, these guys are in the second car. So the two cars are going. He's a new man. Going. He doesn't need to check out the terrorist lady again. <laughs> He's, uh, She's old news. Yeah, there's only so much you can do in one Saturday. I mean, come on. Um, they drive to Oakland, um, which is indeed the part of Pittsburgh where both uh, University of Pitt, Pittsburgh and uh, Carnegie Mellon okay. are. So there's a, a lot of student housing. Ooh, student residents. They look, and now he's just looking in the window, Mideastern, like the girl did. I wish I could understand whatever language they're speaking. I doubt they're discussing the fall flower show at Phipps Conservatory, though. Phipps is, yes, a nice conservatory there in Oakland. Oh, come on, everybody knows Phipps Conservatory. You know, I got to admit, my memory of Starbrand was that it almost never had any local color. But I've been wrong. Yeah. Um, when I look for it, you know, he will throw out things. So, yeah, I enjoy them. So, I also like the, like, I wish I could understand that language. It was always like, maybe like Batman works, you know, like listening in on, um, you know, organized crime or something at one point in history, but once like every, you know, you have like 20 ethnic groups, each with their own language in Gotham City. It becomes, how are you doing this again? Yeah. Batman does everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect at everything. So they are the, um, I don't know what they're saying is a very like realistic uh, touch there. I like. Well, they have an um, awful lot of boxes of guns and grenades and stuff. Yeah. They've, they've, they don't really need to know what they're saying. They, uh, they, they're all labeled U.S. Army, which is interesting. I don't know. Um, but he, uh, he's like, well, I'm not going to just bust in and beat him up. That wouldn't work. Um, I've got a better idea. And he goes to the car 
which has a bunch of ammo and guns and things in it. Man, and the plus, army just gives weapons to anybody. Don't they? I mean, uh, it's part of that <laughs> 1986 Arm the College Students uh, campaign. It's the uh, the CIA gives the weapons to um, uh, dissident groups within Libya, and then somehow they find their way back here. Same old story. I've heard it once. I've heard it a hundred times. Um, he he pops the hood and you know makes sure they can't close it, and then goes over and makes a phone call at the phone booth nearby. An hour and 45 minutes later, what happened? There's a whole crowd of people and a um, bunch of cops and people being led out of this house. And he's listening to people in the crowd. I heard the cops got an anonymous call about a car full of guns. So they got a warrant and raided the house and found terrorists with all kinds of guns and bombs and Gaddafi posters. <laughs> Thanks for narrating that. How did they know they had a warrant? I, it's the Gaddafi posters that really like really <laughs> you're like a secret I don't know um, yeah yeah so they, it was a pretty smart thing to do though rather than confronting them directly which he is physically capable of um, yeah yeah but then he he's could... kind of running his identity into more trouble and you know what do you do like, well hey we have police <laughs> yeah I mean Call everything that on. like they don't even know he was involved is is well done because yeah if he's like um seen to have a hand in this it'll just sort of increase whatever pressure he's getting from this country or his group yeah Ooh, the flying man came back well now we really need to get the flying man yeah, okay yeah okay let's see the um so he slips away from the crowd and it's like, well, that worked out pretty well, but I'm not finished yet. So Sunday evening at seven o'clock, he's got the flashlight in his mouth and he's looking at a map and it's several thousand miles east of Pittsburgh. I think I'm over Libya. You should really double Indians. check that, Ken. I, uh, oh crap, this was Spain. <laughs> NATO has been attacked. Um, but if it takes all night, I'm going to find a military base. Two hours later, bingo, he finds. Yeah, there's like, again, I, you know, there's nothing that says Libya on anything. But no, I do like the, I like the guy in the panel in the middle there where he says bingo. That's like the two guys are talking, you know, kind of wearing the, I don't think it's quite turban. Uh, I forget the name Kefia, for that. Something yeah, that particular head wrap. But he's just kind of like, you know, head on his hand on his head, leaning against the wall. You know, got an Uzi in one hand, kind of pointing, pointing <laughs> it casually. Like they're just chilling. <laughs> it's yeah, as one will do. Yes, Ken, uh, like this is going to be fun. He flies up a tank and then smashes it down onto another tank. The two guards are quite surprised by that uh, there's an explosion and everyone starts running then he goes through like a uh, what do you call it where the, uh, the airplane hangar hangar yes he's going through the roof just like tearing it apart by going through it 
Yeah, it's kind of treating himself like a buzzsaw and just blasting through. And then the uh, perhaps another time through, and all the planes are exploding on the inside. It's looking back at it. Then he's grabbed a long pole and is um, hammers a antenna tower with it. That comes down, more explosions. This is all like great uh, John Romita Jr. art action uh, scene here. Um, it's all like no, no like sound effects. Yeah. You don't need them. Yeah. I mean, the sound effects are kind of distracting nowadays anyway, aren't they? Possibly. I mean, wreck a boom and that kind of stuff. Like, I mean, me. sometimes it has like an old timey charm, but sometimes, I mean, stuff like this, because you, you, you don't get it often, like I said before, with the narration boxes. Um, I mean, it just seems like yeah, more powerful. So this is like a nice uh, heavy handed action, him just going ham on this uh, military base, which he and I guess we also hope was Libyan. <laughs> no proof of it. <laughs> What's Qatar? Uh, hmm. <laughs> Maybe I've got the wrong place. I, you don't get the impression that he's attacking any of the people, basically just wrecking the base and all their equipment. Yeah, I, I'm. Like, there's a lot of people fleeing. You know, he's, it doesn't look like he's hurting anybody. He's just destroying all their stuff. He's probably taking as much uh, effort as he can to not hurt them, but, you know. Who can say? I mean, there's a lot of stuff blowing up here. All right. So Ken grabs a officer who is yelling in squiggles. I don't even think that's Arabic. Probably so, not. To be honest, the letterer did kind of cheated a bit on that one. But it's like, I've got a message for your boss, Gaddafi. Tell him to lay off the flying man. I don't want any of us. Spies are student lackeys snooping around anymore. Okay, well, forget what I said earlier about like, don't do anything. Don't make it look like you did it. And then they won't even know to come keep coming for you anymore. So, uh, But back at home at Westgate Village, um, I don't think that guy understood a word I said. <laughs> You're probably right, Ken. All right. So then he's like, 11 p.m. I wonder what old Ray Tannehill has to say for himself tonight. And this is KDK News, which is maybe the CBS affiliate here in Pittsburgh. Okay. And the funny thing is, Ray Tannehill, a uh, beloved local broadcaster. Um, the internet time, calls him a fixture on Pittsburgh television newscasts for nearly 30 years. Indeed. The, did you get the obituary for him? Um, there's some articles, not a particular obit, obit though. And, uh, he'd passed away 20 years after this, but yeah. the obituary I found was interesting because it actually mentioned he was even in a comic book. Uh, there's one character oh, goes in the good old Ray Tannehill. I wonder what he's up to tonight. I'm like, wow, it's really just like a flat circle, you know, <laughs> everything. <laughs> I go looking for this because of that mention and they wrote the mention into it. Okay. Yeah, I think because uh, like Starbrand was kind of big news in Pittsburgh. I think I'd seen a couple of articles where like the local news covered the fact that the 
uh, comic was going to be centered around Pittsburgh and using Pittsburgh locations and stuff. So like it definitely got at least a couple of local news stories at the time. Interesting. And then perhaps uh, some more press later on with a certain incident. Yes, interesting. Um, the uh, KDK News learned that the Pitt students, oh, they're Pitt students. CMU is uh, even more international, but um, arrested this morning at their residence in Oakland are members of the most extreme faction of radical terrorist organization loyal to Libyan leader Muammar al-Qaeda. We could tell because they had so many posters. We love so much. We load up posters of him. Um, yeah. The yeah. Okay. So um, yeah, the, the anonymous tip led them to the largest batch of illegal weapons ever found. Yay! Next day. <laughs> that's where my Ken's feeling good about himself now, right? No more moping in the bed. Yeah, he's he's on top of the world. Ready to how you, how you teach? I brung you some flowers. <laughs> he uh, gives her flowers and he like, uh, tells her he, he wants uh, he wants her back, and she's like, "Yes, don't ever go away. I love you." Uh, yeah, like that's that's what all she's been waiting for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> poor Dennis, you, know, you were just brushed off i imagine um, ken was like picturing dennis's face on those tanks <laughs> <laughs> kiss my Dude. girlfriend rough bam <laughs> yeah yeah the um you say i've grown up and i've want, know what i want now and i've taken charge of my life i'm gonna uh, talk to you about it later and give you a little secret and uh, explain everything and I got to go take, take care of something first, which is uh, Duck. He goes over to see her. Uh, hi, can I have something to talk to? This has got to be heartbreaking, right? Because, I mean, he, like, he, loves, he likes Duck, right? He's fully committed to Barb, but, you know, he's got to go to her house and she adores him. And he's got to break this terrible news that, you know, he doesn't can't see her anymore. And she answers the door. It's like, oh, well, hi, quack, quack. Hi, I'm so great to see you. <laughs> yeah, quack, quack. Yeah, the, the, I mean, the, the, the part where he is actually sleeping with Duck is the part where, like, I, I feel less bad for him if this was just, like, his friend Duck, who, you know, they oh, went yeah. up together or something, you know, like, but you know, Barb's kind of jealous, and he's got to you know clear the clear the decks and everything. But oh yeah, I don't feel bad for him, but still, that's that's tough. Yeah, it's it's an awkward uh, conversation, no matter. But uh, he's like, I I don't think I can come over anymore. Um, I'm gonna settle down with Barb and probably and get married or something. Well, you'll still come and see me, won't you? No, not anymore. Probably, I can't anymore. Okay, she's she's pretty upset. He's like, you can't not ever see me again. If you don't see me, I don't know what I'll do. It's like uh, you'll 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 be okay. You'll survive. No, I won't. Listen to me. I won't. Do you hear me? I, I want to do whatever makes you happy, Kenny. And if you have other girls, I don't care if you're married, but you got to come see me sometimes or, or you're killing me. I, I mean it, please. 
Yikes. I like that you figured out the accent. I finally, after all these things, found a good accent for Debbie. Ducky. Um, so promise? I, I promise, Deb. I, I gotta go now. I, Kenny, I, I meant it, okay? About not surviving. Please, please believe me. Uh, he's got this, like, very guilty look on his face. Well, that didn't exactly go as planned. Um, no, things were going a little too smoothly for him. Yeah, finally things were coming together. <laughs> um, he's like, well, I wanted to be completely open with Barb, and now I don't know what, maybe I could see her for a while to like let her down easy. Um, uh, he's like, he's still like, I'm so excited. This is a dream come true as he's marching up to Barb's house. And um, he gets in and she's yelling at Lori, her daughter, for breaking something. Um, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know what's gotten into Lori. She used to be such an angel. Lately, she's been a monster. It's like she got hypnotized by some strange alien. Yeah. It's like Lori now has the star brand. Is <laughs> going oh, to crap. fight Ken mano a mano. Um, he says, like, oh, I, I think something happened to Lori. Maybe uh, I know something that caused a sudden change. Maybe I'll tell you after. Um, and the kids start fighting again. Mommy, Lori pushed me. And they start uh, up again. It's like, um, Barb, I, um, I mean, I'd like to. Um, uh, well, I mean, would you marry me, please? Oh, yes, Ken, yes. Very. <laughs> Didn't they just get back together? <laughs> yeah. He gave it very little time there. So the kids are fighting, and uh, Barb's like, You kids go to your room. It's like, oh, Ken, I love you so much. You're the best. You, Lori, you just put that down. You just. It's one of these kind of things. And she goes up, and Ken gets this like darkness come over him as he stares off. And he's like, When Barb comes back, she's. Um, So she goes up to deal with the kids and Ken kind of stares off into space and gets a darkness over him. And when she comes back a few minutes later, he's like, um, so were you about to tell me something? Um, I was, some big secret? Um, yeah, I, it's just nothing. I'd been drinking too much a while there and I act, that's why I was acting strange. And I thought maybe I scared Lori one night and hopefully that's all that's troubling her. She goes, um, okay, well, who knows? Hold me, Ken. She's just happy he's there. He has a flimsy cover story. Then there's a final panel of him sort of like staring out the window and, uh, while she's in bed behind him. And next the old man returns. Dun, dun, dun. Bum, bum. Yeah. There's also, let's see. Across from this, there's a nice ad for John J. Muth's graphic novel, Dracula, which um, I do like Muth, but um, I don't remember ever reading that one. No, it's part of like their graphic novel series when graphic novels were not the 
most common thing. Yeah, I think that um, he's using the same model he later used for um, uh, the mystery play with Grant Morrison. There's he, okay. he had just done Moonshadow, which I remember really liking at the time. Um, and then there's a couple of things that I didn't pick up on for whatever reason. Um, yeah, Alex Ross was not the first painted comic. As it turns out. Yeah, it looks like a photograph. Yeah. It's, it's got a little bit of like cartoonish blood drawn on it. <laughs> yeah, I, th I mean, I think the, the painters tend to use like their friends as models. And so you get this sort of recurring faces in, in some of the, their work. But anyway, as it, yeah, makes sense. Um, so yeah, Starbrand number five was quite a story. Um, Lots of unresolved issues. Yeah, there was, a, I guess I'm, I, you know, so the emotional beats of him like birthday and I've got to be more mature and, you know, sort of get it together and, he sort of hangs a lot of that on Barb. And then um, Duck does, I wouldn't call it a heel turn, but like definitely like thinking, oh, well, this is all fine and easy to, to you know, juggle these girls and everything has sort of blown up in his face a lot here. Yes. And um, yeah, now you're like left worried that she'll be like a suicide basically in the next issue. Um, I don't know what happens. Um, yeah, it's definitely very strange, right? So, like, it's not even. I don't know how out of character it is. Kind of peak or anything like that. It's, yeah, it, it's an odd. I don't it know. That's feels what it comes weird. across to me is like something. Something is a little odd there. Not that she's just really likes him. It's something else. Whether yeah, that resolves um, or not, I don't know, but. Well, like I said before, if there was like a conspiracy that was around him, he wasn't aware of like that she was a part of. I mean, it would be very weird <laughs> to yes. see her. Um, but like, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a uh, it seems like emotionally possible, but you really didn't see it coming. Yeah. And he keeps trying to come out about his superpowers with Barb, but never quite pulling it off. Yeah, I don't. Um, I think he's just, you know, he, just, he must have obviously gotten worried about that connection with her daughter, which is kind of his fault, right? Or like the fault of the star brand situation he got put into. Um, so that kind of made him take that quick step back and like, oh, geez. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the whole, I'll be honest, the ending is really ambiguous to me. Like, what, you know, is he, the, the kids fighting? He's like, uh, what have I gotten myself into? Oh, is it just, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, hey, Barb, let's have a romantic dinner to get, I got to go yell at the kids for a while. Um, or, or, yeah, the, the, this danger from the star brand, you know, oh, I've got a target on my back or like, or maybe like, yeah, the, the moment is like, oh, I finally popped the question. And then she went up to yell at Lori for a while. It's like, oh, wah, wah. 
<laughs> um, there's something sort of to it that I, I haven't put my finger on, I gotta say. And now he's gonna be the one that has to call the babysitter over. <laughs> he's um he's definitely as troubled at the end as he was at the beginning. So um, there's a lot, several things I I thought were um, we were wrapping up that um, Middle Eastern um, spy storyline pretty quickly and easily. I don't know. Um, the uh, I'm still not sure what crossing the line means in this case. Uh, it definitely doesn't seem to there is a line of death. I mean, yeah, he doesn't make an appearance. <laughs> I think, well, okay, this goes back into the history of it because I had to go back and look and the Wikipedia on Gaddafi is like, what the hell was it going on back then? Because it's this long history of um, American Libyan animosity. And I think he had a line in the um, Gulf there that like if ships crossed, it was the line of death. And so there was some fighters uh, attacking ships or ships attacking fighters and like an American Libyan standoff in 86. That may have been part of it, but. Yeah, I mean, the most recent, I think the newest of the solicitations was a Mediterranean dictator has threatened drastic consequences for anyone who crosses his line of death enters Starbrand and like no <laughs> like not quite yeah yeah he doesn't there's no threats basically well, he just decides that he wants to uh go rough him up a little bit and he does to be honest I was kind of uh, if like the um if there was like a second woman there and they were like, oh, we killed the first woman because you didn't uh, do what we said or something, that would have been a little more powerful, you know? Yeah, some um, consequence. Yeah, exactly. There was, to be honest, the, the I was thinking, okay, I've got, there's so many issues with how he deals with them. First off, everyone would be like outside uh, accusing, um, the cops of profiling them or you know shouting uh, no muslim ban and uh, being like why are you uh, giving everyone such a hard time the um, these are just you know students um, a lot of people have lots of guns I, you know <laughs> you got against that um the Probably half the people in there would be undercover FBI agents for different bureaus, all trying to inform on each other. <laughs> yeah, and, um, yeah, the cops just frankly wouldn't come that quickly, I think. Yeah, I saw a bunch of weapons in someone's uh, car. Yeah, we'll get right on that two hours later. Uh, have you guys come yet? No, we're, we're, we'll send someone. And as soon as someone's in the neighborhood, we'll just hang on there, sir. <laughs> uh. But yeah, I think the, the um, actually seeing the woman he talked to before or something might've been nice with that. But um, They're also kind of like, it's a student thing and they're terrorists, but they're also agents of this government, which are just spies, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, weird they're abusing the student visas indeed i think uh the whole thing with ken and his secret and the secret identity 
is really a, a, a thing in the new universe that we um, is significantly different. Like he tells two or three people right away that he has this power and then like is conflicted for several months over whether he should tell his girlfriend about it. Uh, and yeah, then, that all would have happened in like one issue of Spider-Man or something, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's definitely not like I can never tell anyone. I'm going to keep this secret for like 30 years of issues. It's like, oh yeah, Myron, I can fly now. What? Yeah, just last night I could I could fly now. Okay. Um, yeah, but it, it's pretty interesting. It's just, I mean, that's been the story of the book, right? Is you know, what do you do with these powers? You know. Yeah, he's I mean, all of these personal relationships are kind of complicates them. You know, he's got kind of like a, you know, an unimpressive job, you know, that he's not particularly excited about. But yeah, maybe we should. You know, he's not out there this. like crushing diamonds into coal. I mean, he tried that, right? <laughs> Didn't he? Even one of the issues, like, no, this is stupid. <laughs> but. uh you know, like he hasn't used it to make money or become famous or anything that probably wouldn't happen per se. And yeah. actually, yeah, one of the things in uh, in the previous issue, he had went down to DC and he was like, you know, trying to figure out what was going on with the alien or like report that the alien came and maybe talk to the president and such. And the bartender ends up giving him advice about how, uh, um, you know, he really shouldn't do that because you know they'd welcome him in, they'd test him, and then you know kill him in his sleep because they right. wouldn't trust anyone with that kind of power. And uh, I actually picked up the miniseries Comet Man, which is advertised right around now, though I don't think there was one in this particular issue. Um, and it actually kind of follows up on that idea. Oh. So like without, I mean, can you spoil a comic from 1986 per se? But you know, the guy gets superpowers and, you know, immediately runs afoul of, you know, shadowy government agency that basically kills his wife, kidnaps his kid, you know, oh. it's just totally out to get him in the, from, from the get go. And just, yeah. <laughs> so that it made me think of Starbrand because that it, a lot more goes on. There's a lot more to it. There's some aliens and powers and some intrigue and twists, but you know, ultimately, that was the government's response was well, like, all right, well, let's see if we can figure out what this guy's made of, if we can duplicate his powers, and, you know, let's keep him in a cage. Right. right. Hmm, interesting. It's definitely a lot more uh, rough than I thought it would be, too. Not This isn't the Comet Man podcast, but I was, ex I was expecting something a little more lighter hearted, but... There's a pretty yeah. gruesome scene where he teleports. And again, I, I won't spoil New Universe, but I don't mind spoiling Comet Man. But um, he can t teleport, but he's not good at it. So he can teleport to people if he knows them really well. He teleports to his dead wife buried in a coffin. <laughs> it's like, ooh. <laughs> oh and he didn't even, he thought she was alive at the time. And it's like, man, it was a great setup, but it was pretty brutal. Yeah. yeah, I was a. Yeah, that's how he found out. So, Ooh. so things oh, are going well yeah. for Ken, relatively. But yeah, like the, I said in the, the beginning, this is a, this is not an action book. This is a romance book with a little bit of action thrown in. Yeah, the the timing of it's a little um, 
yeah i mean the action's all in the middle it's not like building to that so yeah it's like halfway into the book you have this huge cinematic action scene and then back to the romance hey i brought some flowers uh, yeah that's not a criticism either for me i'm, I'm all for it <laughs> like it's uh i mean this, forget this terrorist stuff it's good to break up the break up the uh intrigue of who he will pick i guess i would uh keep that around as sort of a cat and mouse game you know like if i use my powers too openly here in pittsburgh there's these you know some shadowy group that that is looking for that and so i've got to be extra discreet yeah um, i would be fine with keep, keeping that hang, thread hanging on a little longer but uh, i don't know if uh should i give it a grade yes i was gonna give it an a minus partly the like i say ambiguity at the end is is like a little hard for me to to parse but um uh, the art and writing are all top uh, quality. Uh, yeah. Ken's got three girls and um, <laughs> not interested in the, the babysitter anymore. So he's definitely growing as a person. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> three girls he was in a relationship with in some form this issue. Two others mentioned. <laughs> For a grand total of five, <laughs> with only one bumper straightening. Uh, so yeah, that'll give it an A in my book. I, I'm happy. Uh, so I'm, I'm a little put out that uh, he chose Barb over Duck. I I would have I like Duck as the more interesting character. Yeah, I. I but that's you know, if I care, that means the writer is doing his job, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, yeah. How natural does that feel? I'm not really sure. Like, we get more time spent with Duck than we do with Barb. It's true. So we don't really know her. I mean, we don't know either of them that much as characters, but, you know, Duck has more sort of personality. Whereas Barb is, Barb's personality at this point is she has kids and she wants to pin down Ken Connell, right? Like, she really likes him. I mean, they both do, but yeah, yeah. She's not like you know more dim. Well, it's the kids that are more demanding, I guess, and so he's more worried about being a father figure responsibility that with that rather than really his Barb Ken relationship. And so, if it was just purely Barb and Ken or Duck and Ken, it'd be a different yeah. Sort of, yeah. Uh, thing for him. But next issue, the old man returns. Old so. man returns. I noticed that they didn't use the um, his journaling or whatever it was he started doing at the end of last uh, issue. Oh yeah. I was kind of thinking he'd he'd um, do more with that, but I don't know that's pretty realistic. Like, oh, I'm going to start journaling, and then you just kind of stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most realistic thing we've seen in the universe noted for its realism <laughs> already say as i um, look at the guitar in my room that i haven't played in like two years 
I'll show you the basement of art supplies. Uh, <laughs> that here. Nice. Alrighty. Um, shall we take a quick break and uh, come back with Spitfire? And the troubleshooters. All right, break time. Welcome back. Now we're ready to talk about Spitfire and the Troubleshooters issue five, or as I like to call it, Star Brand issue five and a half. <laughs> because we've got a guest appearance. <laughs> so issue five, uh, you know, it, it teased this uh, at the end of the last one, and you know, we had our uh, our mixed promotionals, but you know, pretty clear on the cover. You got Ken Connell punching out the max robot uh in the sky above some city <laughs> all right so basically just giving it a good thump looks like it's missing an arm uh though if you remember thanks to steelhawk last issue the suit is pretty well torn up and jenny swenson is uh or was on her way to jail right yeah um it looks about like how it was at the end of last issue um, with, with the one arm already sort of missing um, and then possibly other damage, but um, yeah. Ken is punching it. <laughs> Ken's in his casual everyday clothes. So. Yeah, maybe a jean jacket and some dress shoes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, this one is titled Destruction with nice letters all cracked in half. Uh, I assume we mean the suit. <laughs> it's already a bit wrecked. Maybe it's going to get a little more wrecked. Um, so we got two credits for the script. Uh, Jerry Conway and Roy Thomas. Herb Trimpey on pencils. Tony Duzaniga on inks. And so on and so on. Um, but yeah, we, we open on the uh, evidence room here, right? So the Boston Police Evidence Room with our troubleshooters peeking through the window. Um, it's kind of funny in the splash page because you know, it's got like the desk and the cage, you know, kind of the classic movie thing where uh, some detective might have to go and like check out evidence or something like that. So it's all these bagged and tagged little things. Uh, then this giant suit of robot armor is <laughs> just sitting <laughs> on the floor, like kind of cramming, crammed in there, like probably did not know what to do with it. Yeah, the um, it's a nice one point perspective, I guess. And yeah, a lot of um, office supplies on the desk, and then yeah, giant robot in the corner. <laughs> but apparently, it's not not the most well guarded police station. So, um, troubles three of our troubleshooters are there: Eric, uh, Eddie slash Eduardo, and uh, Tim. I think right, it's the third one. Right. I still struggle with troubleshooters. Um, even when we've gotten to issue five. Um, yeah, so apparently one of them is pretty good at breaking into things. So Eric is their glass expert. He's doing the classic 
cutting a circle in the window and using the suction cup so it doesn't fall. And of course, he's got some kind of line tap to keep the alarm from going off. Uh, so he's got some questionable skills. <laughs> um, but yeah, then they're kind of talking about that. You know, we get the, the very quick lived return of the strong arms. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah so uh, Eddie's wearing the strong arms again, which makes me happy. Uh, they don't feature prominently in this issue, which makes me sad, but he's using them to give him a boost into the window. So at least they're still there. And also they call him Giotti, not, hey, strong arms. <laughs> yeah. Well, he hasn't quite earned that nickname yet after that failed uh, <laughs> attempt at doing much. <laughs> if anything, the others should call him like weak arms or something. Yeah, noodle arms. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna have to prove yourself a little bit more there, noodle arms. Uh, that's funny um, but yeah so Eric gives a little bit actually finally a little bit of background about a troubleshooter um, how he used to do some hacking and then that evolved into actually breaking and entering to steal passwords um, until he got busted but you know stayed out of jail because he was pretty young and it was, his family was not too happy so I guess he's our smash and grab expert <laughs> uh, and that, Basically, at this point, it looks like a recon mission. So they, they've popped in there to see uh, just how messed up this suit is. Because then we cut to four days later. Our Jenny is, in fact, in jail. Uh, she says she's been in jail for 38 days, so quite a while. So we've got a bit of a time jump here. Um, our peek into the women's prison, they're all kind of peering through the bars with their arm out. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing to these people. Yeah, we got the the, the um, whatever one month later is always good to see in the uh, new universe. We feel that like it should be doing that, um, even if they'll like, oh, and the next day all this other stuff happened. Um, then they have to like at some point they'll be like, well, it's now been three months since uh, that all those exciting things and now on to our next event. Yeah, I haven't seen I mean, there wasn't really that much in the new you promo that did talk about like the real time aspect of it. It may be. Yeah, it's it's just a sort of a thing that kind of caught our imagination. Uh, perhaps they, they'll, they'll bring it up a little bit more later. I don't know. Yeah. So. She's in prison, uh, gets a visit from her lawyer, which is also her ex-boyfriend, Bernie. Yeah, we, we, they had brought him up two issues ago, right? Yeah, when she saw like a hunky guy on a Calvin <laughs> Klein ad or something, right? That's so. right. It's like, I, I, Bernie's a bit of a disappointment from the Calvin Klein model, I gotta tell <laughs> Bernie, the ineffectual lawyer, is not quite as cool as Bernie, the Calvin Klein model. <laughs> So he's trying to be nice. Uh, she's pretty much down uh, and sad, you know, not very optimistic about how things are going. Um, you know, even though obviously she knows she's innocent, she, you know, she's in jail uh, because she's been framed for Fritz Krotzi's murder. And so he was of course the one that killed or hired the goon to kill her dad and then also killed that goon, general all around bad guy who then got taken out by the club. Not so sinister astounding. Uh, extremely sinister group. 
uh, and she's in the headlines, MIT professor accused of murder, uh, which I think that probably would be in the headlines. Um, but yeah, so she's kind of down. Uh, she thinks everybody's convinced she's guilty. Uh, Bernie gives a kind of weak, if you don't believe in me, believe in the system. The system works, Jennifer. Yeah, but for whom? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, wow, she's pretty based, as we would say now. <laughs> Do people say that? Um, I don't know. I, I'm very online this week. Gotcha. Plugged in. I'm a, of tubes. I'm, a, I'm a hacker. It's like Eddie Giotti. <laughs> no, it's Eric Chin. Giotti's just got the strong arms. He's not the bad. Uh, <laughs> crap, sorry. Um, Teresa right. was think tank. Remember, yes. she had like the heads up the uh, Yeah, we haven't seen that a second time yet, though I think we get a peek at the legs today, though they also don't do much. Um, fastball, right? Right. That might be a quiz answer, right? Fastball. I think it is. Thank <laughs> you. All right. So again, you know, what we've dealt with early on in the book was, you know, she felt like she was doing the right thing, right? The army or armor belonged to her. It was her father's. He wanted her to have it. It was being taken by a bad dude who was clearly wrong. Um, but she kind of ignored the legal side of things. So while acting in ways she felt were right, uh, she's kind of paying the price for that now, or at least maybe, right? Especially if she doesn't get a better lawyer. <laughs> um, I mean, they have bail in, in Boston. I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. Well, I think because he's not very good, right? It was that a later comment or is that this one where you can't she couldn't even get yeah you haven't even it's been able later. to arrange bail so it, it may oh. be very much because of his lack of competence <laughs> oh yeah wow yeah like i said i need a little help on this one there's a lot of words a lot to keep track <laughs> of i'm gonna try my best <laughs> um so yeah can cut to pittsburgh um an all-night convenience store some hundreds of miles south and west uh, Ken notices that headline uh, in between trying to buy some juicy fruit, which they don't have. Like, come on. <laughs> um, and there's some typical 80s street punk dudes with like mohawks and sleeveless shirts and stuff kind of causing some problems. Uh, he kind of writes them off, you know, it doesn't look like they're really trying to hurt anybody. Um, but as he's wondering what's going on with Jenny Swenson, you know, who he had basically run into when he was thinking about rescuing a kid from a well, then, um, you know, he told her to watch out, right? Like, you can't just do whatever you want, you know, you're going to cause problems, somebody's going to get hurt, right? And that, in fact, came true. Um, she, she struck me as a hothead, not a murderer. I wonder if I should help her talk to her. And, whoops, nope. Interrupted by 80s goons. <laughs> you got it. You have, like, if they see stick. someone around, they will definitely take advantage of you. I like that, like, we saw you paid with a 20. <laughs> is inflation that bad? Like, is that like flashing hundreds now? We remember, like, last issue, Ken was really trying to stretch 20 to, like, the right? next payday. So even if he did, it's probably like, that's my last one. Come on, guys. <laughs> I like that they have, like, a, I mean, that doesn't even look like a club. It's more like a thick branch. But they're yeah. building against them. So I guess they really could use the money. 
guy can't even afford one of them can't even afford sleeves but they're trying their best um but and also a little bit odd like the stick you know ken's obviously not worried but the stick kind of breaks on him but it's not clear if they swung it at him or not um it just kind of breaks yeah and it freaks them out and they just kind of run off this dude is creepy so maybe it's a bit of a problem with the drawing not conveying what the writing was supposed to that'd be my guess but anyway it's not really that big a deal but he decides he's going to go fly off and, and see if he can see if there's anything he can do um you know cut to uh back to the toot mit student dorms they don't actually call it the toot this time i think that's one of the first times they mentioned mit it's headline yeah, a bunch totally of like uh, mail from MIT students being like, no one does that here. Please stop. <laughs> Murder at the Toot. Story at seven. It's a, yeah, this part is pretty great because they're apparently in the student dorms, which are apparently co-ed. Yep. And Teresa has just come out of the shower and the cops are giving her a hard time, even though she's not dressed or anything. Right. Get a little in her gratuitous robe shot with Teresa. <laughs> Um, but interestingly enough, so, so in past issues, she's been kind of annoyed with Professor Swenson, uh, seemingly centered around the fact that she is in love with Eddie, uh, strong arms Giotti, uh, and he has a crush on Jenny and will kind of is in that like, let's do anything I can to help her mode. So presumably that's why she resents the professor, um, but she's not helping anybody. Um, so she doesn't really want to talk to the cops. Um, and in her thought bubbles, you know, she's, you know, also kind of questioning whether or not Jenny killed Kratzy. Like she thinks, eh, maybe she might have done it. Yeah, I'd help you yeah. if I thought Jenny was innocent, but I'm not sure. It's a pretty rough line for <laughs> one of the troubleshooters to tell the cops. I definitely do not want you saying something like that if I'm arrested for murder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was, there was some comedian who had some lines on that it's like you know everybody always goes on the news and it's like oh, i never saw it coming he seemed like such a nice person <laughs> so you never have him say like mm, yeah i could have seen that <laughs> it's uh so this is detective sloan that we've had before the guy with the pipe and it's interesting he's like he, he's kind of ambiguous about what he's looking into now because it's like well, you, you built a case against Jenny and now you're here trying to clear her. And then Eddie walks in on them uh, and they're kind of on a first name basis or, you know, they're kind of friendly, uh, but they didn't even bother asking him anything. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so, you know, there's some kind of police case, uh, though they don't seem to have much going going for them uh cut to the guy they probably should be thinking about investigating who publicly tried to assassinate jenny and yeah mask. everyone saw like, that it wasn't like a big secret that there was like a rambo dude like shooting at her and everything right um, oh, by the oh, way oh, oh this okay. was the, the police talking to her was the first time we got teresa's last name so five issues in it's Teresa Roberts. <laughs> we now have all the troubleshooters, both names. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> About time. 
I really love this next part because, you know, we cut to uh, our good buddy Steelhawk, who we get his name already. Um, mm -hmm. But he just kind of lives out in the woods. He's like deadlifting like a car axle, like with a transmission or something, like just like car parts. Uh, and like drinking out of the, the drinking out of the hose in the backyard. Yeah, so <laughs> it's just kind of like a, a fun look at him. Uh, but it looks like he's rehabbing. He's got his knee and some kind of fancy brace and his foot's all wrapped up. Uh, of course, there's you can see some guns lying around too. Um, he's apparently is Arun Bhakti, which I'm not sure if we got his name before. Um, maybe the first time he appeared. Maybe. Yes. Yeah, so so um, car drives up on him. It's kind of a generic dude with a suit who is apparently from the club here to give him his next assignment. Uh, as he's in like short shorts and a tank top and hosing himself off <laughs> again, which I think is hilarious. Um, and they the want... assignment involves working out and looking good. I'm your man. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, in, in a different context, he could be, uh, you know, totally trying to seduce this guy, right? It's kind of <laughs> wet t-shirt, spraying the water all over. <laughs> Big buff dude with long hair. <laughs> Kind of whips the hair back, <laughs> dazzling this poor club guy who didn't see it coming. <laughs> um, but they apparently want him to assassinate, assassinate the English prime minister. Again, something, something, Libya. I think this is uh, a reference to Margaret Thatcher. They refer to it as a she, so. Man. Steelhawk Thatcher can't kill the... Thatcher. Yeah, Reagan and Thatcher were in the 80s. Um, yeah. 80s. All right, so he kind of proves he's still got it by even with his broken foot, kind of like kicking a stack of logs and walking off kind of unharmed. Uh, but Steelhawk is here to stay. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens next with him, uh, probably in, in some upcoming issues. Um, so yeah, they, they mentioned that the club's interest is that, you know, international paranoia is good for business, that they're all like military industrial complex types, I guess, and, you know, want to have international uh, conflict or at least the sense of it going on and fear of terrorism. Yeah. So apparently the club is actually in charge of the world now. Yeah, so M16 sales are way up. We got to keep that going <laughs> while Gaddafi poster sales are going down. <laughs> oh, so cut to weekend at Bernie's. I mean, the trial with the lawyer Bernie, um, who is just not knowing what he's doing, right? So he talks about deposition requests or something and the, the judge kind of smirks at him and calls him over and like you know that's for civil law right <laughs> so his his job as jenny swenson's lawyer has only lasted a couple of panels um she's like ah, i guess i want another lawyer one who's used to defending accused murderers not corporate tax loopholes and got a nice picture of her walking away and him kind of <laughs> i suppose like oh <laughs> Ernest Wazinski did not last very long. He had a long, he had a large hill to climb though. Not only would he need to get his ex-girlfriend out of jail, but then also convince her to get back with him. So he's, he's failed in part one, which does not look good for part two. 
Yeah, his uh, no conjugal visits for Bernie. The uh, the woman uh, the woman judge is not having it. Uh, the yeah. the troubleshooters are in the audience. And they're all making fun of him too. Yeah, all but Teresa, who's not there, who is apparently hoping that Jenny gets thrown in jail. <laughs> right, so um, the matron, of course, is this woman who's guiding her around uh, outside of her cell. Um, it's kind of a classic tough, short-haired, no-nonsense librarian policeman kind of type. I don't know, um, but. You know, they're driving her presumably back to prison when she notices that Giotti is coming up on them. Yeah, at this point, the feds and the police don't really know that the troubleshooters played much of a role in the whole Max Armor saga, and they don't have them implicated for uh, uh, you know the murder. So she's just, just trying to keep a distance from them. So he kind of sneaks up, tosses in a note, a little post-it note uh, that says Spitfire tonight which is kind of vague and I'm not sure that she even needed to know that, but maybe he's trying to like keep her hopes up that he's going to do something stupid and try and break her out of jail. <laughs> yeah. It's um, yeah. She's mostly like confused. Why would they do this? And then um, that can only mean those crazy kids are going to try something really dumb, like breaking me out of jail. <laughs> you are then, right. I mean, it's, she goes on to like if only i'd talked to giotti told him to stop um i didn't get a chance to look carefully but my power pack was uh, maybe as damaged as i thought it'll blow up any second like, really you can't contact anyone you you don't have like visitors and a lawyer a lawyer can oh could you tell this this kid or, or or just tell the kid to come, you know, to my visiting hours. Um, I got to give him a new homework assignment or something. I do. I mean, nothing. Well, I, I, I mean, this, to be fair, this is her first indication that they're going to try and do this, right? I mean, to her knowledge, otherwise the thing's just powered down and sitting in police evidence. So, yeah, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't necessarily spring to mind as you're feeling sorry for yourself and wondering if you're going to go to jail for murder <laughs> you know like what's going on with the, the suit and these uh troublesome kids who like breaking into things surely that'll never come up again and she's got to worry about big bridget <laughs> so we get a little bit of like prison lady prison stuff um i don't know that we'll get a follow-up with big bridget though i kind of hope so <laughs> Uh, hey, stop wool was... gathering, Swenson. Big Bridget wants to see you. You know, you ain't exactly the friendly type. We don't like that much. So me and a few of the girls are going to drop in on you tonight. You know, a social visit. <laughs> I like this line. <laughs> sure, bring your purse. Why, you into leather? No, but you'll need something to carry your teeth back to your cell. <laughs> I don't think they will allow them to have purses in prison. I feel like a lot of movies have lied to me about what it's like in a women's prison. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Even there's like a Charlie's Angels episode that was famous. For... Well, there's certainly been a lot of. She doesn't get hosed they... down at any point. I mean, back <laughs> Steelhawk was the one with the hose. What's up with that? <laughs> you got beefcake, and you're just gonna have to live with that. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Jenny, you are, uh, you've been trapped behind bars for 30 days. Come on, lower your standards a little. Right? I know. How's Big Bridget going to visit her at nighttime when everybody's locked down anyway? Shouldn't it be happening in the shower? Well, it should definitely be happening in the shower. It's greater, right. but <laughs> on the code authority guy, I could not agree with my approval. Anyway, moving right along. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so she gets a visitor, and it's Ken Connell. <laughs> Hello, Jenny. So a little bit of I told you so. We live in a society of rules. You know, this is where it got you. Like, you know, again, she, you know, he doesn't think that she's a killer, but she, he's happy to chastise her for uh, getting herself into this mess. Um, basically says, well, you know, what's your cell number? I'll talk to you later when we can talk. Yeah. Um, and she's like, what? How are you going to do that? Though, of course, she saw him kind of. Super I guess they strong. didn't see her. She, him she didn't see him flying in, yeah, because he flew into the woods, checked her out real quick, and then walked up. Okay. All right, so cut to night. The police department, the troubleshooters are back in the max suit. So apparently they're making regular visits into the evidence room. Um, yeah, that's the, the, the thing. Like the, their plan was to go break in every night for like a week kind of to repair it? this thing while it's still in custody. A little iffy. Though I noticed Eddie is in the machine wearing the strong arms. Oh, wow, yeah. So that might be like strong arms inside of Max suit. Does that make him like double strong? Or strong squared? I don't know. Squared? Yeah. Anyway, um, it kind of gets the thing up and rumbling. Yeah, it's kind of falling, uh, not doing too well. Uh, they're a little concerned about the police, but basically walk it out, uh, which I guess is a little less subtle or a little more subtle than smashing through the wall or something. But you know, they walk it out straight into the cop car. Yeah, I mean, ideally, you'd want it that like Superman takes off straight through the ceiling thing. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not it's, sure it's they can fly yet. Too messed up. It can't fly and everything's like. You can barely walk, but yeah, it's like a walking tank. So yeah, it can, it's a little smashed up. Too. Yeah, it's, it's missing an arm. The the wind, the but window you, is broken. But like you say, um, if Eddie's got his strong arms, it would have been great if like he'd had one of those sticking out where the arm is ripped off the max armor. So it's like I'm still, you know, I can bench press this max suit with my strong arms. There's nothing I can do. <laughs> I guess his confidence was really crushed after last time. Mm. <laughs> uh, anyway, so he bumbles into the cops, falls down, accidentally clobbers them, <laughs> wishes he could fly. <laughs> you know, okay, Jenny Swenson, ready or not, here comes Spitfire, which is not the name of the suit. But that's her name. Eat that. It's Max. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's the, all of um, the above, Stephen. All of oh, the sorry. above. That's also an answer to one of the questions. It is questions. also, yes, his login. The nickname. So these two cops seem to be kind of a comedy um, sideline with, like, they're talking about uh, cop shows that were popular at the time. Yeah. Did you see uh, or did remember at all Crime Story? No. Apparently, I had to look that one up, and um, it was, like, by Michael Mann, who had done uh, Miami Vice. 
that it's more like a, a historical setting. People do remember it pretty well, um, but it wasn't something I I watched, so missed me, skipped me completely. Yeah, so they're arguing over which one is more realistic. Yeah, that or Hill Street is what I always say. Hill Street blues, and I'm like, 80s realism isn't like, I don't know, the shield realism or breaking bad realism. It's like mm -hmm. you know, its own sort of level of uh, cinema and tropes and what have you. But um, yeah, it's not like why, you know. So these are like, uh, um, but the, 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 the funny part is like where the, the woman is saying, I'm still trying to figure out how you can drink coffee and talk at the same time. Right, because the panel drawing is frozen with him taking a sip and he's having yeah. a conversation. Yeah, that's a funny. I liked that. It's a good like tongue in cheek uh, kind of thing. But um, anyway, yeah, Eddie knocks him over and and off they go. He's clumping through town now. Thankfully, didn't kill them. Quite quite a spectacle he's making of himself through this. Um, yeah. So the other the other troubleshooters notice the power pack on the back. It looks like it's glowing like the power rod from the Simpsons kind of thing. Uh, another 80s reference. He goes, well, there goes God's gift to the Transformers. <laughs> uh, let's just hope we're not making a mistake trying to bust Jenny out of what's wrong, Tim? Don't you see the pack? It's glowing. And then I, I couldn't figure this one out. And the words of a famous Oriental philosopher, I've got a bad feeling about this. I know that's a pop culture reference that I'm not getting. Oh, yeah. Who was that? It was in a, a movie or something. Yeah, um, got to be. And, uh, <clears throat> let me put my thinking cap on. <laughs> AKA the internet. <laughs> All right. So cut back to Jenny, who thinks maybe she sees the uh, Spitfire flying through the air across the moon ET style. Uh, though I believe really it's uh, just Ken uh, flying up to her window. So again, they kind of have this conversation about trust and what she did. And essentially she spills her guts and kind of talk, tells Ken the whole story. Um, and you know, including the part where uh, that power pack could be a problem, right? Which could explode and hurt a lot of people. And it's like, oh my gosh. And so again, you know, Ken's mode here with, uh, Jenny and Spitfire and the troubleshooters is like, you know, you're using your power irresponsibly. Um, so the sort of case in point for him, he's a little, he's a little pissed. Uh, there's a weird panel of this sort of angry face, which is not drawn as nicely as the John Romita Jr. one from the previous issue. And I love, I love what he says here. Yeah. And they're like, they start arguing, look, Nostradamus, I did what I thought was right. Yeah. Check and look where it landed you. Spitfire is right. Spit for brains. Ooh. Ooh. Elementary school slam. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. I mean, let me let's go, let's back up a minute here. Ken is a 26-year-old car um, repair person. Jenny is like a full in professor at MIT <laughs> with like degrees from every top school in, in the new universe so she really need to be lectured <laughs> hey, he spent a lot more time moping about his power situation than she has she's just been like angrily breaking things so all that quiet reflection uh, in between uh, 
romantic rendezvous has really given him a good perspective so he can, he can share. That's my story, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he is not making a move on her, which I guess is, is growth in his own way. So. Yeah. If this was written in Starbrand, he would be. You <laughs> can't trust uh, Jerry Conway and Roy Thomas to uh, pick up the ball and run with it, I guess. Yeah, he doesn't look like extra handsome and unusually tall in his appearances in this uh, one, which are probably what helps him a lot with his field work. That's true. All right. Um, so cops come and kind of interrupt. Uh, Ken flies off to try and save the day. Uh, the back suit is basically like lumbering down the middle of town uh, with the troubleshooters on bicycles that maybe they <laughs> stole, <laughs> uh, which is okay. Definite weirdness here though, where uh, you know Tim is riding at 10 speed, but also it looks like he has the legs on, like the fastball legs. Yeah, I assume like, you could. I feel like you could catch up pretty quick with the super speed. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of the 10 speed. Oops. Uh, I'm not sure what that was all about, but kind of a little mess up there. Uh, yeah, they definitely look like they stole them because uh, it kind of looks like Eric's riding a kid's bike. Uh, but yeah, it's just lumbering around. The thing keeps getting hotter. It's even kind of like, you know, he's getting a little. Uh, you know, groggy, the heat coming from this pack kind of throwing him off. It's like the police are closing in on him. Yeah, you know, and it's like he's, he's starting to fade. Um, but basically, lifts lifts off, uh, which it looks like he had taken off. But I think what really happened was at super speed, Ken Connell zipped in and grabbed him and flew him up into the sky uh, to give him a good solid lecturing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, buddy, it's time someone took uh, took you to the woodshed and told you what's what. Yeah. So like, so Eddie recognizes him, but he's not really thinking too clearly. It's kind of smacks him off. Uh, but, you know, the Mac suit's not flying. So you, know, if you get rid of the guy who's carrying you through the air, then you're going to be falling to the ground. It's like, oh, I was so spaced by the heat and all I didn't know it was going. I clobbered my one means of support. Now I'm going down like a rock. <laughs> so uh, not so good. Um, he's trying to fly. You got even like, he's kind of like pulling up on some kind of joystick with the strong arms, which I'm not sure if that's how the max suit works, but yeah. Um, either yeah. way, Ken's back to kind of at least try and save the day but you know he's fighting him at this point so i think his his rocket uh kicks on so it flies up but it goes straight into can again yeah spatang and they kind of collide all right so after their collision uh ken's like what are you man some kind of mental case i'm only trying to help I'm trying to help you help jenny swenson it's like leave jenny out of this Troubleshooters are perfectly capable of taking care of her on their own. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, but the max armor is kind of flying off. You bozos can't even take care of yourselves. Don't you know that power pack is going to blow every any minute? And he's not buying it. Once I put you in your place, Jen, Jenny will thank me for setting her free. <laughs> uh, 
so clearly not thinking right you know what happens after you've broken her out of prison like that's where do you go you can't exactly go back to work um why don't you just knit her a noose while you're at it oof or better yet why don't you just butt out so here you get the the cover scene where he's just kind of he's fed up knocks the thing out you know so he punches out the max armor uh, not in a super destructive way but clearly he's wrecking it a little bit more uh, rips the power pack off the back and does the classic kind of throw it up into the air and watch it explode superman move <laughs> and the night sky shines with a false promise of dawn <laughs> above the city of boston so like the explosion presumably yeah. <laughs> so including the women's prison and the mess and the toot <laughs> so everybody sees the explosion in the air Giadi, oh please lord don't let it be um so um and upon the secluded dorm rooftop so he he takes the suit and the kids all meet back in the dorm rooftop is teresa still in her bathrobe like is she ever wow dressed? yeah <laughs> what's going on <laughs> really long shower or is she just always always rocking the robe she definitely was not breaking anyone out of prison so she is 100 percent in the clear yeah and i guess andy the other guy is there too he's sort of the level-headed one so i guess it makes sense that he wasn't particularly involved in the their zany schemes uh, so he gives them a little bit of a lecturing <laughs> somebody could have died you know which is absolutely true most likely giotti in this case uh even though he had strong arms um and then goes back and gives a report back to jenny uh who's still in prison um and in fact tells her his name uh ken uh, at the end good night ken and thanks so you know star brand 5.5 you know he saved the day here um because he's not in jail. <laughs> uh, so the true dawn comes as Jenny Swenson closes her eyes at last in sleep. And for the first time since she was arrested, she sleeps with a clear conscience because she didn't accidentally get her students killed. <laughs> Thanks to a passing by man with incredible powers who happened to see her ad in the, or see her uh, story in the paper. Uh, but anyway, waited a couple of days to come. I'm not sure what happened with that yeah. timeline. But. So next issue, the troubleshooters. Next to last stand. Hmm. Hmm. More troubleshooter hijinks. It's likely in order here. Yeah. The what was it? The letters column said they were going to do a lot more with the troubleshooters and then start. Yeah, I, I mean, I, and dying and everything. They did in this issue. It was trouble fairly troubleshooter centric yeah it's interesting the the spitfire versus Starbrand is actually giotti versus Starbrand. yeah it would have been cool if it was him and the strong arms kind of duking it out yeah it's um yeah definitely I, the I like, oh go ahead no ken's speech at the end uh if it were not for this guy you'd be dead meat this is where it stops people You'll be treated to this all as a game, some game, one person dead, a city that could have been destroyed. When are you people going to listen? Ken talent lecturing people about almost destroying a city is um, they know no foreshadowing. 
prescient. I don't know. <laughs> I can see the golden path before me. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely hammering it pretty hard, like the consequence thing, and you know, Eduardo Giotti is basically thinking he's doing what Jenny Swenson would have done. You know, like I, I'm doing the right thing, so it's okay, even though it's against the law, kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, uh, as as you say. If they did succeed in breaking her out, it would just be like the same. Everyone knew it was Jenny Swenson, so yeah, it wouldn't be like any sort of like difficulty in rearresting her. You would be the head of a gang of techno terrorists. (laughs) It's a pretty good description, frankly, of the troubleshooters. But yeah. They are constantly causing problems and break, breaking into things. I did like, there's a bit of the technological realism that, um, you know, we keep saying like in DP7, like, you know, the, the characters who run fast need to eat a lot to get their energy. And uh, you have um, the, the biggest thing with the max armor is how much power it has. So it's power pack must be yeah super um, contain a lot of energy and so as a potential explosive that does make sense yeah it's one of several technological leaps that the professor uh, jenny's father had made yes right he's he's pre-invented the lithium battery including like you know the problems with the laptops exploding (laughs) on the airplanes and stuff right it's just yeah yeah i mean that to, to fly under your own power takes, you know, yeah, a lot. There's a reason why we don't have flying cars, right? Yeah. <laughs> or jetpacks, yes. It's, it's harder than it looks. Um, so let's see. The, um, I guess the, the, it's one thing to focus on the troubleshooters for an issue, but... Um, to, to like leave Jenny in jail is pretty weird, you know? Yeah, especially since they didn't really get to do much in jail. I mean, there was a lot of scenes with her. Um, and maybe this yeah, is there was more of like a threat where she's, yeah, has to like go, yeah, do a bare knuckle brawl with Bridget or something like that. At least you'd feel like there was a parallel Please story. Call her Big Bridget. She earned that nickname. Sorry. <laughs> yeah right i mean that i mean i guess that might have been more interesting than the scenes in the courtroom but you know again that's maybe the the downside to the to the realism take is like well if you start going crazy with a suit of armor you know you're you're gonna run into a lot of trouble with law right um you know, there's just, there's no good legal way to do any of the things that she was trying to do. She's going to be thrown in jail and suspicious and cause problems. Um, and it might not be the easiest thing to just, you know, get out, right? You know, it's not like Tony Stark and this, you know, infinite amount of money and technology, which can solve any problem he has, right? You know, She's just a professor in jail and she's got a bunch of <laughs> kids who like to cause problems trying to help her out. Uh, but yeah, it would yeah. be interesting to see a little, see her sort of do some part of the action, but I'm guessing they're going to try and focus on the 
troubleshooters a bit more. If she, if she spends the rest of the series in jail, <laughs> it might be a little disappointing. Yeah, I'd like to, um, like if she was doing a different plan to bust herself out or whether... Or even just to get herself free or like prove, you know, or, you know. I'll be honest, because I think that case is pretty weak. I mean, the guy was beaten by a metal object is like, okay, I know she made these you know, statements, but it's like forensics in the 80s wasn't that bad that they couldn't be like, you know, just look at the robot and be like, these shapes don't match up, you know? Yeah, I feel like they could have done that. And also like, you know, no physical like blood skin evidence on the real robot itself right you know no right, right. giant you, you heavy footprints in the yard or burn marks for when it took off and yeah so yeah i don't know it's a um yeah i don't know though i mean we could come up with our own explanations right you know this highly, our own no prizes of... the highly influential club has got its influence in the in the investigation as well right and so that's why you've got your two uh policemen uh, i forget the name of the guy with the pipe but you know who are perhaps yeah. trying to uh effective sloan and jenkins yeah, yeah they, they're you. like sloan and jenkins are trying to uh free her or, or get the evidence out there uh, yeah. we thought she was guilty but not this guilty we don't know why everyone upstairs kept pushing us and uh don't worry about the evidence. It'll just turn up. And, mm-hmm. What? Yeah, yeah. The um, perhaps the judge is also a member of the club or an agent. Could be. Yeah. It would be great if Jenny was like constantly yelling at everyone in court. Oh, you're a member of the eight, the club, and you're a member of the club. <laughs> Everyone's like, this woman's gone insane. Is she trying to plead insanity? It's not going to work, Swenson. Everyone knows that a scientist at mit is too smart to ever go insane <laughs> uh, yeah if if this did take place within the issue of star brand i feel like ken connell would have made the lady prisoner joke too or something you know instead of all this stern lecturing he would have at least been scoping somebody out it's like i'll be in uh cell block 347 uh is that near the showers um <laughs> not that i'll be flying by or anything but, um yeah so like we said we were talking um there's no internal clues of like when this is happening so i'll assume before the issue of star brand we just read um makes sense he, he hasn't uh, said anything about his own issues yeah it really could be before or after it doesn't really uh yeah it, it work it could work as an interlude before the old man have, shows like, up likely he doesn't have like a, a yeah you got he's got plenty of space in between his own um, yeah. issues of what's going on and he doesn't change clothes or powers or anything dramatically at this point so yeah yeah it's kind of interesting though that i I have no clue where this is going right i mean it doesn't help that they don't give us good solicitations or checklists in our (laughs) books that we're looking at but like you know clearly she's in prison and maybe you know and i mean they wouldn't have shown steelhawk again and 
talking about giving his next assassination job if that weren't going to show up, presumably. Um, but there's no clear path for what happens in the next issue. Like, they mm. try and break out her again. You know, new evidence come to light. She's out and has to do something. And you know, I have no clue what's going to happen next, which is a little unusual for comics, I feel. Usually you have some sense of where things are going. Yeah, the next to last stand of the troubleshooters suggests that they'll be very instrumental next issue. Right, but last stand against what? The system? The toot? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to uh, file for graduation, and if you don't, uh, I've paid off my library fines, and I think <laughs> you'll find I have enough credit hours to graduate. Thank you. I think they actually just passed some law. I don't know if it was a New York thing where colleges can no longer, uh, you know, hold back your graduation or transcripts if you owe them money. Wow. It was interesting. So that like takes a little bit of the power away from the, the, those library fees. Also kids don't borrow library books, but yeah, that's uh I can imagine that was like a bigger problem now that people owe like, three hundred thousand dollars for their um yeah hey that's the one thing they can't take away from you though your education unless i guess they lobotomize you or something you also can't get rid of those declare bankruptcy and get rid of those uh debts (laughs) discharge them yeah um that's ever we have not graded Spitfire and the Troubleshooters, a.k.a. Starbrand 5.5 yet. Yeah, I mm, I guess I didn't have a good, uh, a quick answer for this one because the art's fine. Trimpy is, is doing good with both the machinery and the people. A lot of expressions are pretty good, even if they're not as... Um, stylized as i guess like with ken's uh, own title yeah i think um, he may have spent a lot of good energy drawing the women and then yeah everything else is kind of okay there's at least you know ken looks a little off but because i'm kind of getting used to seeing him in the romita style um which i like you know him looking more generic style you know throws me off a little bit here but yeah, the art's okay. solid. There's no like glaring mess. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, in terms of story progression, um, it holds together. I'm kind of, uh, it, it makes sense that, you know, she was never that big a secret that she was angry at Kratzi and that, you know, she was the one who stole the armor and all these things. So the, these things coming coming home to roost or a fairly logical progression of that um eh, maybe a b plus it's uh holds together well but not like stellar yeah i would say b i think you know i enjoyed reading it you know we got some nice beefcake with a steel hawk <laughs> and a garden hose <laughs> interesting and then on that. it's a um yeah, Teresa. How what we were expecting out of the lady prison issue. <laughs> yeah. Um, or, yeah. 
Um, the 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 ex boyfriend showing up. That's that's good. Dropped that was a hint. Dropped a couple issues ago. Um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, it is yeah. kind of fun though. I mean, Jenny has mentioned the ex boyfriend and kind of talked about him a little bit, but like she doesn't really have anything even remotely like a love interest in this, right? Like you know, along the the sides, like the lawyer clearly still likes her and Eddie is kind of obsessed or has a big crush and stuff like that. Um, but her herself is just kind of, you know, doing her own no, thing, powering was, along. You know, she's not falling after anybody. I was kind of th- wondering like, you know, why Starbrand and Spitfire is like, you know, the crossover, but is Spitfire the female Starbrand? She has all these guys chasing her, and she's like, "Yeah, whatever." <laughs> hmm. hmm. I think that could have made it a better book. <laughs> um. Yeah. The the. This is only the second crossover in the new universe so far, and it's the same team we saw in number two, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's, I, I kind of sense that um, Ken is kind of the Superman figure since uh, because of his power level, but Superman always had this sort of moral core. And like, um, so like you can imagine heroes in D- the DCU uh, would like go to him for advice, you know, whereas going to Ken for advice is kind of, yeah. Yeah. But she didn't. He sought her out. Right. So interesting. And and for all she knows, right? You know, he, he is the more experienced. You know, kind of knows what he's doing and and can deal with these sort of things, right? She doesn't know him at all, so yeah. he can kind of put on that mask a little bit and uh, pretend like he knows what he's talking about. In Pittsburgh, nobody knows you're the star brand. He doesn't just get mad about his girlfriend and take it out on the on the Libyans, <laughs> or uh, the, the um, escapees uh, that from last issue. He, they, put, oh, yeah, they yeah. knock him out, and he's like, "I'm so mad, I could kill, I could kill." <laughs> there got a little bit of like a cartoon issues. ending on that one too, where like you know. Then the next day, like I doesn't really care about them anymore. I've moved on. So <laughs> should you. Um, so good enough. Um, I think the uh, you say Spitfire zigs and zags a lot. So we'll see where that takes us. Starbrand. Okay. Are you saying this from experience or just talking about the first five? Well, kind of both. I mean, that's like my vague memory of, of it, but um, what we've seen so far is definitely kind of, you know, it, it hard to like, uh, we, we wouldn't have predicted from issue to issue much if any of it. So. Yeah, though it definitely has a, a normal arc to the beginning, right? So father dies, gets the armor, goes after Kratzi, figures out, that there's a bigger group behind things, you know, but Kratzi's done for, she's in jail. Now what, right? 
I think the title of the book changes a couple times too. So let's see if that comes with some sort of interesting attempts to redo things or, you know, is it really the second to last stand of the troubleshooters? Because doesn't their name get wiped off the title? Yeah, like you say, we 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 try no to not look too far into the future with the crystal ball here, folks. So true. Um, I I honestly don't know. I haven't read any of it, and I haven't peaked, but I did know that part. So yeah, breaking yeah. my own rules. I don't follow anybody's rules, not even my own. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. There's um. I, I remember seeing some um, article about like the creation of the new universe and like it was something they were definitely looking for was a woman led team or a woman centered uh, comic and that she's kind of sidelined in it is kind of weird, you know? Yeah. This part of the back and forth perhaps. But, uh, she's down, but not out. I don't know. Um, so let's see. Was there? Um, do we have promos for next week? We do. Do you want me to read them, or you go on too? Um, let's see. Why don't you read the first one? I'll read the second. Ah, uh, okay. So, so yeah, that's it for this week. Uh, next time we'll be covering Sci Force number five, which says a rich and termini terminally ill man wants Stacy the healer to keep him alive and he's willing to do anything to make sure she does maybe <laughs> yeah we're not sure about that i'm not sure if that's accurate it very well might be but there was some hints to a size stalker yeah it does that would be like a a, a good um, story though i mean yeah healing powers someone move take advantage of that and night mask number five in the aftermath of his battle with mistress midnight and the gnome keith night mask remsen tries to bridge the gap between his sister and himself but first he'll have to take on the bizarre walker in the dimension of dreams without teddy to serve as a psychic anchor Ooh, ooh. walk on that sounds like a follow-up to the last one we covered let's hope we'll see <laughs> we, we shall see we make no guarantees folks no um let's see other so than we, have... we will talk about it and it will be fun oh yeah because without saying <laughs> so uh, if you get a chance uh take a look at our homepage, kickers inc Com, That's kickersinc.com. Where the uh, summer sweepstakes spectacular. Keep forgetting the name. I think um, I called it like summer 2022 sweepstakes, new universe. Super sleuth sweepstakes. I did not keep, keep the super sleuth title. No. Reed's, Reed's got the internet now. You could really look him up if you wanted to, but it's more fun to not. Mm. And I guess that's it for me and Andy. We'll see you next time back at the spinner rack. All right. See you next time. <laughs>